Welcome to Tanked Up, decade-ending spectacular. I'm your host, Adil Kirchi, and I'm joined by Ben Nother. Hello. He doesn't know how to react when he's not hosting. He's waving and then saying hello <laughs> and then waving again. Hello. And Lucy Yearwood. Hi. Yeah, see, the immediate hi, <laughs> Lucy knows how it is. Uh, this is our end of 2019 decade spectacular where we're going to go over our amorphous blob of games we liked in the past 10 years. Uh, but first, some beers. Ben, seeing if you, wait, as you've cracked, cracked a beer, um, what is your first beer? Um, my first beer is from Polly's. It is Imperial Battenberg Stout called Like a Ghost. I like the um, it, purple teardrop sort of yes uh, can mm, art. Mm. It is uh, an imperial stout. It's featuring almonds, apricot jam, and vanilla. The yeast is London Ale Three and US 05. It's ten percent. What's that? Stronger. Me. Yes, we've jumped up a little bit. Obviously, uh, continuing on beers from our yeah inside um, inside baseball from our last episode. Well, slightly. We didn't we didn't talk about our favourite beers on the last episode on our game of the year. That's going to come at the end of this one as we're you know continuing drinking, recording on the same night. Uh, so yep. it's all going to come at the end. So we're selling you DLC. Yep, exactly uh, that, Lucy. Except that these uh, podcasts exactly are free. So. Actually, um, uh, <laughs> as I am the host, I, I have to be the one to reveal to to our listeners that um, from this moment forward, the best beer of the night. Will be available as a microtransaction. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you my PayPal. Yeah, uh, we we take PayPal, 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 Venmo, Patreon, Deliveroo, all of the things. No, um, I just want cash in an envelope. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Untrustable. Uh, Lucy, uh, mm. what are you pouring? I, I saw you cracked the beer already. Yeah, I'm drinking a beer from. Brewery Keys. Um, oh, nice. And it's in collaboration with North Brewing Co. It's called Velvet Purple, and it's a honey and pistachio imperial stout. And mm. it's 10%, just like Ben's. Um, and what caught my eye with this one is that it's got Sriracha Ace hops in it. Um, Ooh. Oh, don't you your favourite. you see those? Not quite. Well, it's one of yours, isn't it's, it? I'd say, I'd say it's one I'm very interested by, but... Um, yeah, I guess uh, it works maybe, well maybe like favourite's stays... probably too strong, but it's a thing yeah. that when you, you see, given that it's rare, that you tend yeah. to pick it up. Intrigued by it, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you know, Just like JRPG saisons. It is <laughs> yeah, the sure. hop JRPG <laughs> analogue for Lucy, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> sure. Um, uh, sorry, I'm derailing it's again. It's fine. Oh, what are you drinking? Thank you, Ben. Uh, I am drinking the Unity Brewing Company's Nocturne Oatmeal Porter. It is... um, Hold on. Nocturne is our modern take on the classic porter. Dark, rich, smooth, and all about the malt, with a complex bill of British and German malts, including a hefty dose of flaked oats. It is a mild 5%. I think I'm the only person stepping down 
in terms mm. of alcohol, uh, ABV. Uh, but yeah, I saw this. I was like, you know what? I know we're going to have a handful of beers. I kind of wouldn't mind stouty portering notions uh, at the end. So I picked a, a yep. one that sort of struck my fancy. Um, it's What's usually that? usually you see oatmeal stouts. You actually rarely see oatmeal porters, and that's kind of why mm. I picked this one. I was like, okay, so let me see what the difference of those is. And while I pour this splendid-looking and smelling beer, Ben, have you had a chance to taste your beer? I have. Um, it's it, it you know it calls itself a Battenberg uh, stout, Imperial Battenberg stout, and I think that's because of the you know features that apricot jam features in the features almonds. Um, it's very reminiscent of Coke, like Ain or cola. <laughs> cola, cola. Um, it, it, it dials those flavors up. You, you're definitely getting roasted notes in with it as well. You know, you're getting that stout profile. But actually, maybe this, the sweetness that I think is a combination of maybe the vanilla and the apricot jam. Mm. It, it's really close to sort of aspartame or something like that that you get in Coke uh, or yeah. or a cola. And it also, obviously, it very much looks like that as well. It's got this very light level of carbonation. So it's not big, but I think it's just because you're hit with this sweetness straight away that it makes me think of uh, more like a soft drink than a a beer. It's only then that the almond kind of kicks in, that the roasted, the coffee notes kind of Mm. kick in towards the back end. They're like, oh, actually, yes, this is a stout. You know, it's very thin as well. Uh, in body, so it adds towards that kind of um, that, that that thought process in my head that actually this is a soft drink. Then oh no, no, yes, it is a stout. It, it definitely, um, but it's very very easy to drink. <laughs> Dangerously so. I've even you know, unprecedented for unprecedented fact I've changed glass as well mm-hmm. to 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 launch into the stouts. So, oh. Ooh, it's got a lovely nose to it as well. Slightly smoked on the mm. nose. You know, it's it's roasted, but a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit smoky. Mm. I'm going to enjoy this, Lucy. Mm. Mine looks almost uh, identical to yours. Um, yeah. I mean, from afar, you almost less think head. Oh, the zero head. It, it, I was just saying, it, it dissipated in a second. Yeah, yeah it, it looks like yeah. a, like coffee a almost. Pot. Or a port or a wine or something like that. It's just yeah, fair enough. From a little mm. bit of distance away, but yeah, the, the head just disappeared completely. Um, yeah, jet black in appearance. Um, I remember it smells quite sweet, quite licorice-y. I think it's that's a lot from the honey, and um, just like yours, Ben, wine's got a nut in it. It's um, pistachio. Um, yeah. But you're getting those like roasted nut. Um, like kind of aroma um, a bit smoky as well you'd expect that from like a 10% beer yeah bit, bit hesitant to drink this because it smells strong you can smell <laughs> the alcohol on it like to the point where it, hmm. nothing else is coming off the nose or just like you can smell it's boozy you can smell it's boozy but like it was saying vapor. that like alcohol yeah. vapor, just a little bit, yeah. I think that's mm. a combination with like the smokiness as well. Just sipping it, I mean, it looks 
quite thin. Like it could be quite thin, but mm. tasting yeah. it, it's it starts off thin, but then it gets a little body um, as as you as you drink more of it, and it does have that like comforting, slightly viscous taste and mouthfeel that I want in a stout. The yeah. licorice smell really. That was probably what made me more hesitant rather than the booze because I'm not a massive mm. fan of very sweet licorice beers, but this has more sweetness from the honey, and yep. it's balanced well with the bitterness of like the nuts in it and the smoke. And just saying that now, I can taste the alcohol like a slight burn um, on my chest <laughs> after a few after a few moments. But it's it's a nice comforting one. It's not. It's not over. It's not over the top with its booziness. It it creeps on you. It, it it's slow. Yeah. It's slow building. Yeah, this is really nice. Ooh. Nice, nice, good. Um, we seem to have we've got a frozen adult. I don't know where he's gone. Hmm. Well, his internet has just been cut from his building. Didn't pay their pay their bill. <laughs> it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, but him? we need to go to him next for his beer. Oh, he said he's lost us, guys. Shall we wait for a deal? Or shall we jump in considering his internet died? Ooh. Ooh. Let's give him 30 seconds. So. Any I can cut this thought- together. Having- no, no, let's, any- let's just chat. Yeah, let's just any- chat, any- Lucy. Any let's just further- fucking thoughts on the beer um further thoughts on the beer I mean this is the kind of weather you want these beers in I, oh I'm absolutely I'm absolutely I've, I've, you know I've, I've chilled both of these slightly not as much as mm. I chilled the the other two mine's been sitting out um, since our first pod yeah so it's just at that have, right yes. temperature yeah I, I I think I put my the first two in the fridge as soon as I got home, mm. and then I put these two in the fridge maybe an hour before we started recording. So they've only been in for maybe three hours in the fridge, roughly. Mm-hmm. Whereas my first beers were in for you know a good sort of six, seven hours, something mm-hmm. like that, uh, and that 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 chilled nature Oi. to it. Just, hey, he's back. Um, that that chilled nature to it kind of. I think adds to that sort of soft drink mm-hmm. element to it. I think if this was a little bit warmer, I wouldn't get that quite as much. But that combination of chilled, combination of um, sweetness mm-hmm. just makes it, you know, just just is very reminiscent of Coke. Yeah. Co- cola, not Coke, yeah. cola. <laughs> yeah, mine's got like a slight fruitiness. I don't know if that's a sweetness mm. I'm conflating with the honey, but it's... Tastes like it's got a bit of fruitiness to it as well, but um, yeah, yeah I, maybe that's just Sriracha Ace hops playing yeah. a part because you see those. In, well, I've had it in. I don't think I've ever had Sriracha Ace in a stout. But I've not. Definitely yeah, not. I mean that's why but I was it, super it curious about this one. Yeah, I, 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 is it a bit of fruitiness? Is a bit? It's a bit of like light tang or something like that. Like, yeah, you're saying it's sort of like licorice in there mm. as well. Like maybe it's a little bit woody. Sort of a little bit, sort of maybe maybe leathery, bit of tannins, sort of, uh, yeah, kind like, of kicking in. Or... Of, yeah, tannins, like, mm. yeah. But, yeah, it's really nice. It's really good. Nice. Good. Good. Uh, Adol, mm. 
Oh, fuck, I didn't. Yeah. How's how's your beer? Have you had a sip yet? Um, it is on the nose, nice and malty, a little, a little chocolatey. Mm. Nice and rich. I'm gonna say some, a touch of dried fruit. It's a porter, isn't it? I know, Lucy, you and I have got stouts out of a porter. Um, oh, yeah. So you get that chocolatiness. You get. Um, you can taste that it's just five percent in the sense of like I think I think we're just all three of us are on board with we like our sets and porters being boozy. Mm. Um, that sweetness tends to go really well with the malts involved and with the sort of chocolatey toffee flavors being forward in stats and porters and this they're forward but because the alcohol content is a bit low you can kind of taste it's a little apart like to the point where i think this is what six percent five percent i think six or seven would have like helped combine these tastes together because there's a bit of a gap going on so have a bit of a dryness Mm. in between the like toffee dried fruit flavors and the maltiness like they're just a little more separate than i'd like and i think normally i don't notice that when i have a a, a more boozy porter because i think what stitches it together is that sweetness that comes from the alcohol yeah mm-hmm. it's really good i like the odiness of the malts the oatmealiness of the malts um Again, I'm getting mostly the malt forward mm. and a little bit of the sort of dried version of the fruits being involved. So, like, there's a tight touch of grapiness, but it's more like raisins, but Ooh. not as sweet. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fine porter. Uh, I actually really like... The slight difference between an oatmeal stout and an oatmeal porter. I'm really enjoying this because mm. the oatmeal is going in a different direction. Uh, yeah. It's it's less. Yeah, I guess the main thing is usually an oatmeal stout. It's like more viscous, more filling, more rounded. And this is like you're getting the oatiness, but from the like difference in porters and stouts, you tend to have more segmented tastes. Less super malt forward in a porter, and and that means the oats going less far, but is still distinct. So yeah. You get this notion of oh yeah, this is oaty, but um, it's not like filling up the glass oatmeal sort of like very viscous, very like malt super forward. Thick. Thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, still has that lightness to it. Yeah. So I think that mm. you get the the nice sort of oaty biscuity hits of the malts but without the nece- without necessarily the like thickness and viscosity that usually comes with yeah. an oatmeal stout um, nice good yeah, it's very interesting awesome. I'm glad I've tried an oatmeal porter yeah. nice nice um no I'm not hosting fuck I'm, I'm uh, sorry, all right <laughs> so um the three of us have talked thought about the different approaches to thinking about our games of the year decade, mm-hmm. the games of the year decade. I'm definitely <laughs> fucking that up. Uh, uh. Uh, I almost had it, and then Ben even was like, "Yep, that's what you meant." It's like, no, I definitely didn't say what I meant. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate the vote of confidence. Um, I definitely had a an idiosyncratic take. Sounds like Lucy, you had a bundle of games, and Ben, you had yeah. roughly a top ten. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say let's start with Lucy's bundle. Maybe I'll mm. go in afterwards with my, like, because mine are very much, like, category-based, and maybe we'll mm-hmm. yeah, tag yeah. into Ben's throughout that, and if not, we'll finish off with the top. And uh, I think um, I can contribute to your categories, because I did have some well, listening, can... I was like, oh, well, that would... These are best narratives I enjoyed, and then I can just cool. So, what, do you want me to, to just I'll... start with mine, or do you no, want to start no, with no, your I'll, amorphous? Spot? I'll, I'll list my, um... and then you'll fill yeah. in. Cool. Yeah, because um... we're really good at planning I... things. Shut up! We know we're, we're great. That's why you listen <laughs> to us. I'm just gonna. We're prepared. I'm just gonna list my games of the year. From, your decade from like decade. Tw- 2010 oh, to 2019, because yeah, yeah. that's. Right, so, so Lucy, year. your approach was you definitely have already done Games of the Year, and so you're just going to tell yeah. us what they were, right? Yeah, although I don't in remember. No particular through, order. From t- I'm just going to go from 2010. To, I don't know what it is in 2010. I'm just going to say uh, call it Call of Duty Black Ops, because that is the best multiplayer shooter to come out in the last decade. Did it come out in the last decade? It did. It came out in 2010. Fuck. Mm. I know. 2011, I have no idea what came out. I'll just assume Limbo came out, and then we can, uh, and then we can uh, couple, (laughs) we can couple that with Inside, because I was thinking, I was Um, like, Uncharted. Limbo came out in July 2010. But that was all 2009, huh? What came out in Limbo came out in July 2010. Well, there you go. But we've pushed it up to uh, 2011. We've rewrote history. Um, 2012, I have no idea what came out, so I'll just say Gone Home. Um, 2013, That's fair. Yeah. obviously The Last of Us. Twenty four, which Gone Home if came we're, out in if August we're ranking, if we're ranking of all time, when did Gone Home come out? 2013, August 2013. Yeah. Well, we're bumping it back down to 2012. Um, <laughs> so we're starting with the amorphous in the block somewhere. Yeah, amorphous block. Yeah, yeah. But there yeah. you go. Um, uh, where was I? Last of Us is my favorite game of all time. I, I've spoken about that. I'm sure we'll speak about that later. Anyway, um, 2013, yeah, Last of Us. 2014, that dud year. Um, but that would have been like South Park, uh, <laughs> uh, the Stick of Truth. Um, Stick of Truth. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll shove Sunset Overdrive in there because that's great as well. Um, 2015 would have been Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, mm. Can shove like. Yep. Ori and the Blind Forest in there if we want to as well. 2016, Hitman. Yep. Mm, Probably, solid, yeah. yeah, yeah. The best puzzle game of the decade. 2017 was Horizon Zero Dawn, one of the only RPGs other than South Park. Yeah. The Stick RPG of Truth and Open game. World, and both made you stick the landing and finish the fucking game. Like, yeah, that's not it's, a testament. It's, it's, yeah, nothing else. It's got robot dinosaurs. Winning formula. Um, 2018, uh, we'll give it to, uh, Celeste slash Hollow Knight. And 2019, yeah. Ooh, if, if you okay. listen to my, well, our previous episode, my. Literally what we recorded was, minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my top game of 2019 is Resident Evil 2. So, there's a bunch of games. Cool. Uh, the, the, I've got a few yeah. more, but. We'll we'll oh, get into oh, well. your categories first because I will just pitch in. Then. Yeah, fair enough. Um, because they weren't my top game, but I believe they're very important in terms of. So I have ten categories I thought were interesting, but Ben, you <laughs> okay. was your list 
categorized or just ranked? Mine's mine's more ranked, but I do have uh, a genre as one of my entries. Cool. Um, yes. Let's start with that, and then I will just start throwing categories out, and we can talk about okay. our favorite things, okay. and then we yeah. can finish with your ranking. Is it walking okay, simulators so the, or strand it games? Is, well, it is. Okay, then it fuck is. off, because so that my, is my, my number nine category, so we'll, we'll just that's go... that's my number ten. <laughs> so it's my number ten, but it's it's kind of like news games. That's it's not literally just what I call walking my... simulators, yep. Really? Yep. It's not just walking simulators. It's more things like uh, Firewatch. It's things that you are interacting with a little bit more. Firewatch, uh, Gone Home, Stanley Parable. So if you aren't familiar with Ben and I's specific terminology, if you're a newer yeah, to tanked up person, I am not paying attention. Are. Um, I don't know what news game is. So it, so it turns I thought you out, meant the oh, Westport like, Independent. No, so it turns out two, two-ish, two and a half, Papers, three years please. ago, um, we realized that the two ways of describing this same category game were either narrative exploration or walking simulator. And that it spells news, which is northeast, south, west, south, oh, which is the way of exploring sense, a map in all its ways. So Ben and I have consistently said news game. And what we mean is it's either a walking simulator or narrative exploration because it kind of mean the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so for gotcha. me, uh, I have two news games I wanted to highlight. Uh, okay. Gone Home, because I think it was at the crest of walking simulators, but was the narrative exploration really mattered. And it was done so well, yeah. and then which the Lucy in- you mentioned as well, right? Fantastic yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, and and the inverse of that for me was Journey, which is I think the most gamey version of this, but kind of is a walking ooh. simulator, and it was fantastic. So I, I and it was released in the 2010s, 2012, mm-hmm. and so believe, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So so for me, uh, my my news category is Gone Home, the narrative side, Journey, the walking yeah. side. To me, it's a genre that was born in the 2010s, has Mm, some super interesting things going on. A lot of it has to do with leaning on the narrative, but also the walking simulator part has really been developed. Um, If if stranding is a fucking thing, it's it's because (laughs) it's because of the walking simulator online notion of of uh, journey, which ultimately I think is a walking simulator. It's a mm. co-op walking simulator. And well, I'd if call stranding it an adventure is... game, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to yeah, yeah. stop but saying, so, so oh, this no, is, this is, this is why I wanted to game. highlight both of those for this category was because one was very much about the tightness of the narrative exposition in different ways when you're mm-hmm. just wandering around mm. by yourself. And the other was the, the gameplay mattered that you were wandering. Um, yeah. So so what are the rest of your characters? categories and then we can uh, you know with with as with yeah, Lucy's list, we can delve back into it in a little bit list the categories say, oh, well, sure speak about this um so my number 10 category was ccgs because i figured no one else gave a shit collectible no. card yeah, game <laughs> okay yeah. number nine uh, was the so news. i wanted to highlight that my favorite video game ccg was dualist because it was like an srpg mm-hmm. and a card game at the same time and it made the computer sure. matter but probably the most impactful card game was Magic the Gathering Arena because it's just trying to mimic the best part of card games. Okay. Sure. Um, okay, list them off, list them off. Yeah, so I got what news. Else? So CCG mm-hmm. News, Open World. Mm-hmm. Anyone want to talk about okay. Open World games? Uh, no, keep going. Keep okay. going open no. World, narrative slash brutal storytelling. 
Uh, Couch co-op, solo shooter, online shooter, SRPG, small games, and innovation. What the fuck are small games? I think it's like puzzle games... Mobile oh, okay. games, small small right. games. Can, can I can I okay. can I rewind all the way back to the news games, and then yep. how do you fancy this if I put the lights of Night in the Woods in there? Um, yep. Life uh, is strange. Mm. Oh, life is strange. I think <laughs> it's more so. Life is strange. Night in the Woods, I think, could interesting... be borderline, but I think Life is Strange is mm. too much character doing a thing to be a news game. Okay. All right. Like, I think it's more that, that like same... an action adventure game. Yeah. Like, yeah, the point is you're yeah. plodding along. Just but, like, like Journey. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, come on, you do fuck all except one. Okay, so, so okay, really. okay, so so, you sing, so I want to, yeah, I yeah. want to, I want to add a Blurred category lines. then. I want to. Robin Thicke was right apparently. <laughs> Speaking of the 2010s, <laughs> oh, hey, <laughs> oh god, those sides and that lean back. Uh, you're missing out if you're not watching the YouTube. No one here likes me, including you. I get it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, moving swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'm just gonna add the. Um, it's not. It's not really. I'm defining this to a decade because we all know what happened to Telltale by the end of the decade, and then mm-hmm. somehow coming back. Again, but anyway, um, regardless of that, it's like I'm just talking about the games, yeah, n- mm-hmm. not as such as the categories that you know came to fruition. Like, obviously, great mention, and like, obviously, yes, we want to highlight. Oh yeah, Walking, not Walking Dead, uh, Walking Simulators, news games came to the forefront this generation. But still, um, stuff like okay, Telltale were doing stuff before the 2020s, but uh, like, yeah. The Walking Dead and Tales from the Borderland were my two favourite uh, Telltale games, and then that introduced the likes of like Life is Strange, and I will just put like her story, Night in the Woods, in there. Yeah. Oh, her so, story. Yeah, it's so close to being on my list. Yeah. So her story wanna... was also really close for me. Um, so I think mm. news and adventure captures those, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The point is that Absolutely. the dynamic gameplay is the backseat, I guess, is the best way to yeah. describe this category. And yep. I'm just trying to like pigeonhole some of these, because the, the rest of yeah. mine will come into like one of your categories, deal. but Until Dawn, um, I don't know where I'll, to mm-hmm. put that. Yeah. Um, this it, was it, one it, of those it, things that I cut out because I had too many things on my list, yeah. but I really wanted to mention, so I'm glad you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think... Innovatively, it's a really interesting thing that was never quite as clearly done. Like, yeah, they, they, yeah. they it, it is the video dream, game dream. Yeah, mm. it's it's a video game equivalent until dawn to a choose your own adventure with multiple people, and you can't mm. do that with a book. And it you can do it with a video game, and they fucking figured it out. And we saw mm. that with David Cage's games attempted to do that, but I think Until Dawn is better than yeah. any no. game that. that yes, yeah. again, in the past ten years, if you yes. wanted to pick something that did that right, it's going to be Until Dawn. So I'm glad yeah, you picked well, it. Ain't bloody Detroit, is it? Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of, that's the only game that's actually made me physically angry. Yeah. <laughs> <in> this <laughs> decade. Oh yeah, we definitely didn't budget time Deadpool. for games we fucking hated. Uh, that's true. We so didn't. Maybe we'll, that's our opening. We will pepper those in during the next hour yeah. and a bit oh, while okay. we finish this list. Um, so, I assumed you had no CCGs. Uh, did we want to say anything about news games? 
Um, I mean, so uh, features these, these categories are like news games. Yeah, and and so so news games features is my number ten, and I I didn't kind of want to differentiate between something like Firewatch and Gone Home and the Stanley Parable because they're short experiences that tell you a story and a very specific story. You know, it's leading you through an experience, it's leading you through a character's perception and how they live through an experience. It's telling you how they feel. You know, you don't get to choose how they feel. It's telling you how they feel. But it tells you that story. It's like a novella. It it kind of... It is open to interpretation in some ways, as any novel or novella is. But it very much leads you through these things. And I love that this is kind of this, this genre that has opened up, that we've got this additional method of storytelling that is a little bit more interactive. You're doing a little bit more than just reading something. You know, yes, you may only be walking around an environment and picking something up, which then gives you more exposition, or walking to a point, which then gives you more exposition, but you are slightly more invested but, but also, than you like, are with a novel. My version of the game will be very different from yours based on where mm. I went, because I chose yes. to go left and you chose to go right. I, te- mm-hmm. I chose to continue down the street, even though I got the pertinent piece of information to continue the story. Yeah. And I kept going because I was like, well, what's some backstory? So uh, our narrative explorations are different. Like we literally get to yeah. explore the narrative differently. And that's what the interactivity gives something yeah. beyond a book, right? Like if we read the same book, yeah, you could choose to skip seven pages ahead, but you have no idea what the transitions are going to be. So you just have to read those seven pages. And in these things, you can be like, cool, the next story beat needs this piece of information. I've figured it out, and I can choose to just keep going forward instead of turning back. And that's what makes these really interesting and innovative to me, which is why I want to mm. highlight them as a genre, was because, oh, something changed because stories were being told very differently from 2010 onwards in virtue of this realization that gameplay can you can have a streamlined version of Gone Home or you can have the most in-depth version of Gone Home and the story impacts you differently. Yeah. Right? And versus, like, going on all the sub side quests in Skyrim, you're still going to basically have the same storyline on the main run. Like, something else mm-hmm. is going on narratively and that that's what was developed in this decade and I wanted to highlight that. Okay. Uh, in, in the interest of timing, uh, my, no- my, other- my next category is open world mm-hmm. and so just to give you a sense of what I put in that category I had GTA 5 as a like I'll throw it away but ultimately I think it fails at open world um, but the yeah, two things I, I wanted to it's my least favourite GTA yeah. so even though I've got a poster about that yeah. it wouldn't um, make my list So even well, though it should <laughs> but I have two things I wanted to bring up in open world one is that the really embracing the open world which is Breath of the Wild just the one of that game that is just list, yeah. just mm-hmm. just fuck off, explore. Don't worry about the game. The world is your oyster, and you want to slurp it up. And then the flip side, I had Sleeping Dogs, which was yeah. one of my favorite GTA clones. Is it that was decade. Yep, I looked it up. Yeah. I can will I, look it up again. Um, I, but uh, no, no, no. If you say it is, it absolutely is. Um, so I why I thought I it was important to bring up the contrast of these two. Uh, it came out in 2012, August, um, wow. was because it managed to give you a live, vibrant city, 
but a very coherent yeah. storyline with the because yes. the city wasn't too big, you got the earmarks to know your pathing. And I think mm. it's it's that sweet spot that we've lost with open world games having their maps get bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. You knew exactly what you could do, what you needed to do, but you could fuck off for a while and still find your way. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the sweet spot, right? You want these games to have their plots, for the plots to go fine, but you also want to be able to just do what you want whenever you want. And yeah. in this game, in between the gun combat and the martial arts combat and the training, etc., of both, you got it was just like I said, you explored hong kong you could play this game in a short amount of time or you could take all the time in the world but if you like did a bunch of side stuff you never didn't know what the next move in the main plot was it is by far one of my favorite gta clones i liked that it had more dynamic combat than just crouch and shoot even though it wasn't a cover shooter uh mm-hmm. like you could do melee etc but yeah. u- ultimately you can finish this game real quick, but even if you finish it, you kind of want to come back to the world. And I thought that mm. this is one of the best instances of an open world game that still felt like a game and not just a sandbox. Mm. That's why I sure. wanted to mention it versus Breath of the Wild, which is the exact inverse, which is like the plot doesn't matter until you choose to fight Ganon. You, you, the point is you're just fucking about in a world doing whatever you want. And these are like diametrically the, like the spectrums of open world, why I like open world games to be either. So I wanted to highlight both. Um, but I also didn't finish Horizon, and I knew you guys did, so I thought open world-wise, you might have something to say. Uh, open world, nah. <laughs> you know, like I pretty much prefer the, uh, the, the RPG elements in Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, the Lucy Award to the best RPG, um, which many will disagree with, is Horizon Zero Dawn. But... The best open world exploration, the best world that I want to explore award goes to Breath of the Wild because mm. yeah. I've not felt that way. Where it's like I don't, the the combat's don't crap, the story's crap. Um, I hate that my sword world, breaks, but I still want to fuck yeah. around in the world. But this, yeah, uncovering up to a certain point, yeah, everything in this world is intriguing, and I just want to bask in this world i haven't felt that way since like a gta or something like that GTA uh, early gta right yeah gta 5 is I, I enjoyed that world it was just it, it didn't bring that like giddy kitty oh can, so in know, the enjoyment of, uh, from exploring it in the interest of us looking backward can i'm just curious because i think we've all had our gta moments what is your favorite gta san andreas Ben? It's not even a contest. Mm, San Andreas, absolutely. So I waffle between Vice City and San Andreas. I love the setting of Vice City, but I love the, the actual City. gameplay of San Andreas more. Vice City is one of my Grove least favorite. Street, bitches! But like, like, I've been saying since San Andreas came out, why is there not an MMO which is gang warfare? As done absolutely in San Andreas. This yes. should be a slam fucking dunk. I've said this there for is. years. It's called um, uh, APB. <laughs> it's called APB. Or ABP. Or no APB. Points bulletin. Yes. And speaking of open worlds, when you said Sleeping Dogs, I thought conversely Saints Row Three. The best Saints Row for me. I know it's not your favorite. I know mine is two, and that was. Pat before the cutoff, so I couldn't mention it. But... When you said GTA clone, and yeah. I was like, mm, best one for me is uh, 
Saints Row 3. Right, what's the next category then? Um, the next category is narratives slash specifically brutal storytelling. Because for me, uh, the, the games I like... So, so it is narratives, but for me, the two games that like immediately jumped out to me were because they managed to give their storytelling a realism that, that wasn't suspected. Okay. So my two brutal storytelling uh, things were Papers, Please... Mm. and spec ops the line yes very different but both yeah. clearly why you like these games is the narrative yeah I, I was looking at games that came out in like 2012 or spec ops like, or something like that yeah, Ben yeah. you definitely played spec ops more recently I did yeah it was the first time you played it through right yes it so, was so yeah, yeah, yeah. when the world started to happen in the requisite plotting way, um, did you I know? It, like, it, did you have the heads up that this was going to have the twist? Because when I played it, I had no, no idea. No, I did not. Yeah, I, I, I think Spec Ops, Spec Ops is definitely one of those games that has gone under a lot of people's radar. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't I, sport for me in any kind of way because I, I didn't see that much chatter around it, and 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 me playing it several years after its release as well, you know. The talk around it had died down, and and at the time it released, I just completely missed it. So didn't know anything that had kind of happened, and it, it definitely had that impactful kind of turn to it, absolutely. Um, but it, it, it's one that it, it it builds the narrative slowly, yep. so you're not kind of like here's the story, here's the story, here's the story. You know, it's told through a little bit of exposition. It's yep. told through the conversations that the characters have between themselves between those action sequences. You know, it's like, it is this year. This is going on. This stuff is happening. Yeah. It's, hey, we're on our way to do this. Oh, shit, suddenly stuff's happened. Oh, now we need to think about it in this way. Okay, now we need to react to it in this way. Oh, now I need to just do this because I've got no fucking idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you can feel the stress for that character, you know, for the for the main character why they're making the decisions yeah. and then the, the the reveal about kind of like the consequence of what's happened and and, and it does hit you in that sort of way that, that the writing is so uh it, it's it's just i can't quite think of the word for it but it it, it just underlies everything that happens through that game your expectations yeah i mean this is why i wanted to mention it in the narrative category because it's kind of a middling cover shooter but what makes it an excellent game add to this actually um because one of my speaking of spec ops the line one of my uh categories was best narrative in a mediocre poor playing game (laughs) and um (laughs) in the top three uh the third goes to mafia three um Ooh. Yeah, no, we get you there. That is an excellent narrative in a mediocre game. Um, uh, second place goes to Wolfenstein 2. Uh, mm. What is it? The New Colossus. The, the I New Colossus, yes. Narrative. So many twists and plot turns, and it's just batshit crazy. And uh, number one goes to Red Dead Redemption 2. So I haven't played it yet. Poor gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> to a yeah. certain extent. I mean, this is why I wanted to bring up the narrative category because I knew we all actually, especially in the ca- past couple of years, we've kind of 
gone our separate ways, but we all, all three of us, couldn't mm. give a shit about narrative. Um, which is why I wanted to say narrative slash brutal storytelling because it turns out that like oh, all those three games are me, brutal, to be honest. Uh, but like Wolf, Mafia yeah. and Red Dead, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I think all three of us played Papers Please, and that's mm-hmm. a game that the narrative is implicit, like they're the moves of the narrative aren't explicit, but you get a feel for the world in a way that is the worst. Yeah. Uh, and I have to commend them on their writing because they aren't saying you should feel this way. They just expose you to the decisions you have to make. And then you feel that way. And that actually is really hard, especially when you're also wrapping it around gameplay loops. Uh, and, and like, Again, I, I just think that's just such a solid game for understanding the world that you might not understand historically. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyone else have s- specific narrative things? Like, no, you you mentioned. Um, no, those were. I mean, obviously, I've I've not hmm. I've not delved into my yeah, my yeah. list yet. And we 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 we're, we'll we're talking there. around some yeah. of the games that I have featured, but I have opened a bit. Oh, cool! I am still <laughs> this. That that polys. <laughs> Absolutely flew back. Like, yes. Um, I'm not on your what's level, going... then. Yeah. Oh, let me just. I would just say what's going through not quite as quickly, and we can come back to beers. But I have opened from Odyssey the Devil's Pudding, mm. which is uh, an Imperial Stout. It's eleven oh. percent, um, and it is a little bit thicker, so it is going back slightly slower. Okay. In so that we'll case. Lucy, you kind of midway through your beer, or mostly done? Um, why? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I did. Ben, you tell us about your fucking eleven percent stout. We're gonna Ooh, go shit. through a couple okay. ca- categories, and then we'll cut back to Lucy and I on our next beer. Right, uh, my eleven percent stout went everywhere. Yeah, uh, very, Fine. very fizzy. It it, it it blew up out of the glass. It blew up out of the can as I cracked it. Uh, a lot fizzier than any of the other beers I've had this evening. I've had to use an old net curtain to clean up the booze. Oh, no. Um, but that's fine. Your no one needs fucking house. net curtains well, these days. Well, you christened it now, so it's all good. Uh. First beer But, thing. so, um, Odyssey. Odyssey. What does it tell me? 11% hops, kettle, warrior. Hops bio-transformation, not applicable. Hops post-fermentation, not applicable. It's got cacao, vanilla, and coffee. But that's all I get. Um, and I mean, it does have all of those things. So uh, can it, I ask what I, the I, main like flavor there is? Is it more coffee forward? Is it? It's more coffee. Absolutely more coffee, which I'm completely down with. Yeah. Uh, this is a very, very good beer to finish my night out on after. Several other beers, which are doing lots of different I things. Mean, I assume you know, it's have a, three more. It, <laughs> it's a really, really good sort of evening beer. It's yeah. giving me those coffee notes. Yes, it's slightly sweetened by the vanilla. I'm getting a little bit of chocolate in there as well. Uh, super roasted going through, and, and and that sweetness, that vanilla, that comes you know, right at the fore. So on the smell, it's on the smell, it's all coffee, absolutely. Dominated by coffee, but when you sup, that vanilla just just breaks it. So the coffee is there, and that is that is the dominating thing. But that vanilla just breaks that coffee enough, just heightens the sweetness very slightly, 
that it's not too bitter. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, the chocolate kind of kicks in. And it's a right. dark chocolate. And you're thinking, oh, actually, that bitterness is there. The sweetness is gone. And it allows that bitterness, that coffee, that chocolate, just to linger. Just to sit there. And then I'm going, I, I, I really need some more of this beer. Yeah. I must drink some more of this beer. Gotcha. Um, can I say, ask one, one just um, icing on your descriptive cake. Um, mm. It's 11%. It sounds like there's it's alcohol forward. Is the sweetness like well embedded or is it kind of like the alcohol sweet? Like is, is the alcohol sweetness kind of hidden by these layers you've been describing or is it just like it doesn't matter because these layers are distracting? You know, like... I think it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, yeah, I got the yeah, vibe that maybe matter. it was like it has this alcohol sweetness, but so much is going on you don't notice. Versus the sweetness is embedded in these moves. Um, and I think they've, they've, you know, they've covered it enough with vanilla for you to not pick out the alcohol from it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Ben. Um, before we move on to Loose and I slowly finishing our beers, uh, the next category I have is. Couch co-op, and for me, I wanted to highlight both Tower of Fall Ascension and Duck Game, mm. but also the Jackbox Party series, which mm-hmm. I know most people probably haven't had the chance to play, but I think they are the quintessential non-gamer couch co-op games. And yeah, three or four of them, I think fun. four or five and six at least, if probably not three as well, uh, were all in the last decade. Uh, I don't remember when the first Jackbox game came out. The early ones weren't great, but they are. Everyone has their smartphone, and you have a laptop, and the laptop is like directing the game. And like, are we? Are you drawing at the same time? Are you writing responses? Are you picking responses? Everyone just needs a smart device, and they can play. And that's kind of the easiest way to get couch co-op without gamers. Uh, like, yeah. you can just be like. And I've done this with my housemates where, and to the point where they've been like, can we do that again some night? Uh, yeah. And it was a night where we played Jackbox 2, 3, and 4, just a couple games from each. And they were like, that was amazing. Let's do this again. I play board yeah. games. This was fun. And it's not video games at their pristine, but it is the ultimate in couch co-op because people want to do it. Uh, and then obviously Duck Game and Towerfall Ascension are these yeah. like twitchy very fun stupid skill can help you at a certain point but not otherwise mm. um so for yeah. me these are these are this is the balance of like if you care about games what would you want to play on the same screen as a friend if you don't care about games blah but i also know there are couch co-op games that involve more skill and so i will open it up to do you guys have a better notion of couch co-op Including Box Boy and Box Girl, which we talked about earlier. <laughs> no, I, I was going to completely nope out of this one, but um, when you said Jackbox, I was like, yeah, they're so accessible. I've had more fun playing Jackbox than any, like, even though I like Duck Game and Towerfall's very good at what it does. For when I'm in a. Games are more personal to me. I don't want to play with anybody. I'm antisocial. It's, it's more of a me experience. I want to do it with my time but in terms of a couch co-op game yes Jackbox I'll, mm. I'll always pick that up you know it's just it just works so well so accessible so 
I overcooked as well. I like overcooked. Oh yeah, overcooked a few weeks. Yeah, ago. thank you. That's, so that's yeah. what I was looking for. Like overcooked is mm-hmm. clearly an example of mm-hmm. these switch oriented, also on PC, but I think very <laughs> switch oriented couch co op. And I like lovers in a dangerous space time as well. Yeah, yes, I one of them. Isn't it? I'm bad at that game, and everybody. So is. Um, <laughs> when I've played it with others, I've been like, "No, I get why it this is should be. Havoc. It it should be a game." I'm like, "Yeah, everyone should play it. It's super fun. It's super accessible." And I'm like, "I'm garbage at this. I don't like playing it. I will not recommend it to someone." <laughs> it is like everything just goes wrong, but it's still so fun. Yeah. Just like Overcooked in that way. But yeah, um, ben, and I why? Oh, yeah, Ben. Couch Cop is a bit of an odd, uh, an odd one. I think, uh, the, yeah, I mean, it's the the experience that I've, that I've enjoyed in uh, Couch Cop has been things like um, over the past ten years is a difficult one because I don't think I have had that many Couch Cop experiences. You know, previous the previous decade with things like Guitar Hero stuff like that with, with very big, very big in that sort of sense. I think this this decade I've much more like your moved away games, from that. You know, like you um, can say like until dawn or something like that. I mean, yeah, but I didn't play that couch co-op. I played that by myself. So even those that, couch, well, I mean, even we played like like couch co-op together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sniffer clips. But only very clips. briefly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you know, my point is. So yeah. why I wanted to bring it up was because. Uh, for a while there, you you were coming over every so often, and we recorded a bit that never mm-hmm. actually hit our YouTube channel for various reasons. But we were playing couch co-op games yeah. because yeah. we fucking love them. Uh, yeah. And it actually one of the reasons why that never became a series was because it was actually quite hard to come up with them. Like yeah, we did Duck Day, we did Terrorfall, but those were like sitting on the back burners. They had been there for a while. People mm. knew they were a thing, and they were like. Once we uh, ran out this uh, backlog, Bushido black and white as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. But like, why I wanted to highlight it was because it's it's a thing that at the beginning of this decade was big, and by the end of the decade, basically doesn't exist. But there's a lot of mm. value. But it's on coming this. back now. Yeah, like a yeah, lot of people yeah. like love gears, like in, in a catch co-op sense, and they've doubled down on that. I mean, I played the first two gears. Uh, couch co-op. Those were before the decade, I believe. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's getting back to that. So yeah, the, for a long time there wasn't that many engaging couch co-op games outside yeah. of the indie um scene. So yeah, absolutely. And and even still, those you know we've had Overcooked two in the last mm. year or two. There's that uh, I can't remember the name of it, the, the decorating slash DIY Tools type game. Yeah. Tools up, yes, it came out not long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we're starting to lean a little bit more into. Uh, into so that. I think it's important to note that like the industry didn't give a shit about couch co-op until people were like, "I mm. give a shit about couch co-op," and that's what's pushing things, which is actually kind yeah. of nice. Is that the reason why we're getting more couch co-op is because people have shown that they care and the market forces mm-hmm. actually have worked. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, in the interest of time, I'm going to push us further to mm, what you probably I... should. I've poured oh. my drink. So, Ooh. I mean, so announce your next topic. Oh, the next topic is strategy, strategy RPGs. 
Which is an adult category. Adult talk at the same time. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, if I had realized, like like, if I realized that I was actually going to have these categories guide our entire conversation, I would have put it lower down in the interest of, I give a shit about these. I know you guys no, don't necessarily. But, um, into the uh, yeah, so uh, I have three things I wanted to mention on strategy RPGs, but I also realized I didn't play Mutant Year Zero, so maybe Ben will talk towards it. But basically, I thought Massive Chalice was the number one interesting m- move in mm. uh, strategy RPGs because you could not, for the life of you, hold on to your team because the whole point was you're surviving 300 years and people die. And so you have to retire mm. your team. If, you, if, if this is the best alchemist ever, the best thing you can do is have him train alchemists. Or yep. if this is just a really good pers- warrior who happens to be an alchemist, maybe they need to be the head of a province. Like Because it was a strategy RPG where you were constantly putting people in roles of training or breeding slash ruling... Mm. Uh, um, and other things. <laughs> uh, there's a eugenic angle that I don't particularly like, oh, but like I thought it was a really good way of spicing up the SRPG thing. So like yeah, XCOM Enemy Unknown, the way you beat that, that, that's one of the best SRPGs around. It's yep. in the modern generation, but why I don't like it is because what you want to do is perfect your team, make sure no one dies. If they die, you yep. contemplate reloading a save. Yes. You save scum on that game like that because you value your team. And mm. in, in Massive Chalice, there's no way you can possibly do that because at some point, yeah. you have to retire everyone. That's mm. interesting. And so I thought it was innovatively very interesting. It also played SRPG loops really well. It turns out, having played it twice through, again, for me, huge thing. Uh, yeah, it turns out Hunters are OP. And on the second time around, I just bred hunters and not anything otherwise. And you can beat that game really easy. Um, <laughs> that's some pro strats. But like, what I liked about it was even then, like, I needed to find replacements for my hunters. And if I was breeding them the wrong way, I wouldn't get hunters. I would get some hybrid class. So I actually had to strategize around what I realized was the optimal path forward. And it didn't mean I could just keep my team. My team was always going to mm. die. Some people would leave earlier than others, and I had to adapt. So even if I understood that there was a broken dynamic, I still had to plan around. And I found that really refreshing and exactly what I thought SRPGs needed, which was something to force you to try different combinations of people because that's what's available. Yeah, you always got about this guy. Is this the double fine one? Yes. Yeah, okay. It originally Uh, came out on the Xbox back when I had an Xbox. And then when I gave up the Xbox, it was on PC. I think it was on Games of Gold, yeah. Yeah. Uh, double fine game of the decade. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think The Cave. Um, Nah, I love The Cave. Yeah. And after Um, that, Headlander. I do like so my so my um my honorable mention was into the breach because it managed to make SRPGs a puzzle game. Mm. Like so like it. two ends two ends of the spectrum. One was how to make sure you have to deal with the mechanics all the time because you can't just hold on to the optimal team, massive chalice. And the other one is like, what if every map was just a puzzle? 
and you had to solve mm-hmm. it with different pieces and you had access to yeah. different pieces. So you never had an optimal – there was no sense of an optimal team because you're playing different puzzles. Yeah. So like the same really sort of good. problem of SRPGs ta- uh, attacked from different angles are into the breach of massive challenge. Yeah. And um, it was also one of my number one games category. last year. Sorry? Is that all for strategy? I mean, if unless anyone else gives a shit about SRPGs, then we're done with then... SRPGs. I suspected that was no, the case. I conceive. Okay. Uh, massive, massive chance. Absolutely. Uh, XCOM almost fe- almost featured on my list, but I can see you know the, the criticism that Adam gave about it. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the SRPG scene to bring it up to a slightly modern standard. I think. Um, so I'm going to say that before we get to online shooters, which you guys can think about, um, let's talk about Lucy's beer and then my beer. Because yeah, I've and been ben dying can continue to drink having it. his beer, and then we will talk about online shooters and then solo shooters. Okay. Um, oh. oh, I found the PS5. You remember the. Yeah, whiplash beer. That was the <laughs> Xbox. Uh, this is the PS5, even though it's clearly a Rubik's cube. Um, but this is uh, from Pig Ears, Pig's Ears Beer Limited, and Whiplash. So they did a beer and art series. I didn't know about this. Um, there's at least fifteen in the series because this is can number fifteen. Um, but this uh, is a collab with Whiplash, um, and it's a double dry hot dipper. It's eight percent, and uh, you know what? I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. Sophie is an analog collage artist and key artwork designer for Whiplash. They do great art on their cans as well, so that's interesting. Yes. Um, from source material to the producing and creating, everything is an analog, and all of her, her artworks cut and finalized by hand. That's impressive. Her artwork is caught somewhere between the real and surreal, with a nod to the past and the future. This piece is entitled Find a Way, depicting the puzzle of finding one another. That's interesting. I'm going to follow her on Twitter. At Sophie underscore DeVere. Tasting notes. uh, Piney, zesty, tropical, passion fruit and pineapple. Aroma and flavour with... What does W slash A mean? Oh, with a silky, <laughs> fluffy, yeah, I was just like, I and, think and light, uh, yeah, and lightly sweet. I don't speak text. Um, with, with a silky, fluffy, and light, lightly sweet body, brewed with Idaho Seven, Brew One, Azaka, and Mosaic. Um, yeah, I don't speak uh, hip hop. You were in South Park. That's fair. Fair enough. Not many of us do. In the oh, oh, that was funny. Anyway, yeah, with flash. Uh, do you want to talk about series. what it tastes, or do you want me to talk about what mine's described as? Cool. She's banged it back. Yep. She's mm. in there. Yeah, it's weird. I've been waiting to drink this for like five minutes. Forty-five minutes. Hearing about SRPGs and just which are great, but not as great as this. Um. Yeah, it's definitely piney. Um, definitely very tropical fruit this is actually like flavor text that actually matches it unlike the political statement we got on the cloudwater beer the last podcast mm. but, oh God, um, yeah that was yeah mm, that was a trip but this yeah it's as i was saying on our previous podcast again again to call back apologies listeners um whiplash have this where it's very like fruity and 
full, but not in a heavy way. You're still getting, like, you're getting a comforting hug from, from a beer, but it's not too heavy and dense and viscous. It's just that right spot in between. And, yeah, it's, it's so fruit-forward. It's not too hoppy, but it's it's majorly fruit-forward. It's got a nice bit of malt in there, a nice bit of bitterness. It's just so well-balanced, and you cannot tell nice. it's 8%. I love Whiplash yeah. beers. They're so good. Mm, they are Excellent. very, very good. Yeah. Um, so, for me, I've got the good chemistry Becoming North. Pink can? Ooh. Uh, it is... The first ever brewer brewers were in fact women. They are known as Brewsters. Uh, the pairings are Tallinn, Riga, and Vilnius. Three Baltic states. Oh, right. It's a Baltic porter. That's why that's happening. <laughs> I was like, wait. I've literally been to all three of those capital cities, and they are Baltic oh, nice. states. What's going on? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. The Becoming North is a Baltic porter, and they were outsmarting me. Um... Don't worry about the stats on the OGFG and IBU, because who cares? Um, I say that because they have better flavor text. Taking cues from the brewers of the Baltics, we selected a lager yeast to ferment this dark beer. Keeping the fermentation cold makes the beer extra smooth and brings out the chocolatey malt flavors. It is 90%, 19% hoppy, 80% malty, 35% bitter, 55% sweet... Fresh, modern, and thoughtful brewers from our brewery in Bristol. We aim to create good chemistry in its broadest sense through the beers we make and the relationships we form and the community. That is added flavor text that hasn't been on previous things. Uh, but yeah, it is, I think, uh, only a 6%. I was going to say 19% alcohol. Yeah, it's only 6% like... alcohol per volume. Uh, it is a Baltic porter. Yeah. When he started listing off those percentages, I was like, when shall we call the ambulance for a tip? Yeah. <laughs> it's got long legs, um, mild heads. Uh, while I sip this, do you want to tell me what yours tastes like, Lucy? Yeah, I already did, but I can, no, did I, I, I can I champion it again. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I read a lot, look. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm just this. Being host is hard. I tried it once. Basically, I, I just needed some filling completely. time while I read a thing. Oh no, I just wanted to call you out. Yeah, that's fine. Um, what was your next top- online shooters? I'm going to say what my online shooter is. I'll just say next, something uh, about topic. this beer. It is okay, multi. Go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. I again, it's clearly a supporter. Uh, it's a little sweet. Um, I'm actually disappointed in its lack of viscosity. Again, it's only 6%. I mean, I think both of these past beers, just, it's hard to get the gathering together of the tastes involved, both malty and hoppy and sweetness-wise, without some extra ABV. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a notion of, like, chocolate and cherries. That's interesting. Um Definitely has some more back ends, less OT, but ultimately I think there's just not quite enough going on. Uh, I 
probably have had too many beers tonight to really notice the lager <laughs> yeast versus the non-lager yeast that they're highlighting. Um, but it's, Shame on you. Yeah, I mean, I will be honest. <laughs> that's the problem. It's it's thick. There's some coffee. There's a touch of vanilla. But again, the sweetness is kind of arbitrary tasting. It sort of just it feels like added sweetness versus sweetness is like thickening in the way that like a higher ABV will just naturally do just because of the viscosity that changes things. Um, which you can't get around. Like you just can't get around when you're having a porter or a stout that is under 8%. Like if you're at 6 5%, it's going to be thin. And that's mm. just the way it is. Things um, it's really tasty. I like that it's a light coffee. It's a little sweet. Uh, again, I get a bit of cherry, a bit of other malts going on. It's super interesting. Uh, I can't say something spectacular about the lager versus uh, ale uh, approach, but it's interesting. Again, I think I'm just super biased towards stouts and porters being heavy. Yeah. No, anyway, um, just, so that's... Can't go help on. It. Yeah. I'm just saying you can't help it. No, I, I'm the same way. So, the, the next category I wanted to bring up was online shooters, and I had Battlefield 1 as my top, mostly because uh, if I look at online shooters... Sorry? Two, is that the one that came out, like, two, three years ago? 2016. Four years oh, yeah, ago. I just don't know the naming. Yeah. The so, basically, project. why it's my number one is because why I like online shooters is I get to play them with my friends, and between mm-hmm. Ben and Nico... I played a bunch of Battlefield 1. I played it yeah. actually with people I know online to, to various degrees of shambledness, if you recall. Um, there was definitely a half bottle of whiskey accidentally night of Battlefield 1. I was like, why am I playing so bad? Oh, I've accidentally drank a half bottle of whiskey. I didn't notice. Obviously, I'm the worst person on this side, <laughs> etc. Um, but like... I wanted to highlight that because why I like online co-op is because of playing with other people. Yeah. And it kind of doesn't matter what the game was. It matters that that's the game I played. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I, um, I, my my, my runners up were Rainbow Six Siege, which I played a bunch with former Out of Lives members like Kevin and, and Ross. Uh, I, I played a bunch when I had an Xbox of uh, Rainbow Six Siege, and I fucking loved it. Again, I think it might have been tighter than Battlefield 1, but I played less of it with people I cared about, so it was like a secondary seat. Uh, and then same thing with Titanfall 1 and 2. I really liked playing that with the others, but just mm. ultimately didn't play much of it. Yeah, mm. Titanfall 1... Um, not too. Didn't Lucy's really a machine play. on that goddamn game. <laughs> I I played twice with her, and she was just dominating everyone the entire time. And her response was, "I don't play games with other people. I just play the single player, and I'm very good at it." And I was like, "Yep, nope, right." <laughs> I I mostly just played well the two of the decade online sh- shooters that I played. Titanfall one. I didn't play Titanfall two. I didn't like the. I like, I much prefer the simplicity of uh, Titanfall 1, the limited loadouts, and it's just being about pure skill. Um, and everybody's on an equal pegging with, like... Uh, <laughs> with, with everyone she plays against. She's <laughs> with, just real good at that game. Yeah. Um, 
I was and still am. I think I put like 300 hours in that game. Um, but yeah, that and um, as my number one, it would be Call of Duty Black Ops. Um, mm. I still play that game on uh, backwards compatibility. I was so heartbroken the last time I fired it up, which is probably about two weeks ago, when I couldn't find a match. So I might have to... Really? Okay. I think people were playing. I don't know if it was something to do with the servers or something, but I will mm. find a way of playing that game, <laughs> even if I have to play with people from, I don't know, uh, across the world in a, you know... Mm. But people are still playing that game, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I mean, and, and that's like one of the reasons, like, Battlefield 1... Is is my my ninth game? Yeah, but it it is because of the experience of playing with 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 friends. Yeah, and oh. I played a lot of Black Ops with with Rob, who I lived with at the time. It, it was the first Call of Duty that went sort of uh, multiplayer, um, which I didn't realize was this decade. I kind of just thought it was before that it was that it was before that and i don't know why i don't know why that, that, that in my mind it was previous to this decade uh and battlefield 1 i suppose came to my mind more because it was more recent uh and i have those uh, more recent memories of playing with 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 Adol and with nico and and with rob as well with other people uh so it, it kind of a train um, map yeah it's awful it's poorly designed, it, but we played just, it anyway. It's like that's what I liked about that game. We played fucking. It, yeah. Is that the one with the cool yeah. campaign that I actually played? The, the, yes, the with the, the different with the different tank vignettes. And the, uh, yes, woman. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It, it was it was actually well crafted, but also mm. I didn't finish the campaign because why I liked that game was not the campaign. Mm. But that yeah, game it, it was super pretty. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, yeah, Battlefield yeah. has always looked better than Call of Duty. Why I wanted to mention it was mm. somehow, despite all these fond memories, when the new Battlefield came out, I was like, don't give a shit. Like, I just yeah. didn't care. Like, I just didn't care. And I knew it was because it wasn't clear that the people I played Battlefield 1 with... Like, so, because I got PS Plus at the right time or something, I just remember there was a disconnect from me having from renewing some sort of whatever uh, access to new maps that Ben didn't and that was mm. enough uh, for me to be like I don't give a shit about new maps this is uh, why you don't split the audience you just give yeah. everything for free but like, yeah, it was that simple yeah. and then it translated to okay the next game's coming out what does it mean for any edition well, we'll figure it out and we're both really busy we won't play whenever launches we're not going to play it together so maybe we'll play it like a couple months after launch and then that never happened and like I miss mm. playing co-op shooting <laughs> yeah uh, like co not couch but like online co-op shooting with my friends <laughs> but also Absolutely. like nothing no, no game came out that was like this is the way you'd want to do that type of thing yeah. so we would all like anyone I knew who wanted to do that co-op online shooting would be like we're playing that game and so it just yeah. didn't happen yeah, absolutely. Even things like, you know, The Division 2, The Division, games like that didn't quite capture the same feeling as those other games. Mm. Uh, which is, again, why Battlefield 1 features, you know, features on my list and, and, you know, and online shooters comes to your mind when you're thinking of these things. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. So that's online shooters. Um, I know the answer to the next one. Solo shooters. Yeah. I have... Doom. <laughs> Doom 2016, clearly the best yep. solo shooter. Like, I knew all three of us would agree on that. Um, but actually, I went back and thought about it. And I'm going to put Far Cry 3... <gasps> As the oh, I deleted spot. Far Cry 3 from my list. It was almost number 10. That's fair. That's such a good game. Exactly. So I was just thinking, what does it mean to play a solo shooting experience? Well, actually, Far Cry 3 mm-hmm. had an impact. It like had the open world, but didn't quite get fucking faffed about it. It like yep. had enough interesting things, but still made you give a shit about the main thing. Far Cry 3, yep. I had to put it in there. That was the first time I realised that I had motion sickness because I couldn't play Far Cry. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't know whether this was cheeky, but I put Alien Isolation in there as well. But even though it's not quite mm. just, I feel I feel like it's we'll kind of it flouting the solo shooter notion. But I wanted to acknowledge that it's in the solo shooter like paradigm, but it's doing something completely different. Plus, yeah. best. The horror game that isn't Resident Evil 2 or yeah. Until Dawn. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if this is the best place. But, like, um, solo shooter-wise, I think all three of us agree it's Doom 2016. What a fantastic fucking mm. game. You can't Absolutely. beat it. Yeah. You want just more of it. What you want from its sequels is what it does again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and then again, if I had to think about it, I was going to like, tear. Far Cry 3. Three came out in what 2012 2013 and it did something yeah. different for the shooter solo genre in a way that well did... so i don't know like so 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 i think i think far cry 3 built on far cry 2 a lot uh far cry 2 obviously previous yeah previous decade far cry 2 and i actually prefer far cry 2 to far cry 3 fair um, you know, you've got weapon degradation, things that we malign these days, uh, that actually back then were kind of, uh, not really thought about. They were new, uh, they, they were know, trying they, new they, mechanics, right? They were trying new things. You had the whole malaria issue with Far Cry 2. You had to find medicine. Suddenly it became a bit more of a survival game, which again, we weren't really, you know, au fait with around then. We didn't really have those kinds of games. Far Cry 2 did a lot. Whilst being janky enough for people to be like, um, you, yeah. it's just kind of far across it. And the, the idea that it split the map, so actually you had to load between yeah. two different areas, you know, those kinds of things kind of put people off. But it was still much ahead of its time. Far Cry 3, yes, is this decade, builds very, very well on Far Cry 2 and takes the base of that game and just streamlines it slightly enough that it opens it up to a few more people. Uh, the, the story is very throwaway, apart from Vaz, who is one of the best yeah. antagonists of this decade. So this is why I wanted to say Far Cry 3, which was because it was slightly open world, but pretty like honed in, this is the track you want to do, balance-wise. Mm. Uh, I recognize that Far Cry 2 happened in 2008 or whatever, and it was, like, it's clearly building on those things. But, like, one of the things that later... And this is probably just bad, like, extrapolation, is, like, every other Far Cry since has had a shitty villain. 
And yeah. like they managed to perfect the notion, well, perfect, hone in on the notion of we want the open world, but we want the track. And we're yep. going to have an actual narrative where the fucking villain matters, not because they're just on the path of the story, but because the villain matters. Mm. And for me, yep. Far Cry 3 stands out over and above Far Cry 2 because it was this confluence of things. So I thought it was Absolutely. worth highlighting. But like, I, I, yep. I, I will not dispute that uh, the super strengths of Far Cry 3 are building on Far Cry 2. Yeah, In a way that Far Cry 2 isn't building on Far Cry 1. Like Far Cry One yeah, very, is a very shooter. different game. Far Cry Two is yes. the move where they're like, "How do we make an interesting narrative with a more open world?" Um, do we have any other just generic? So I mentioned Alien Isolation, but just generic first person solo experiences. We're all happy. With I mean, that. you like we, super we, we hot, talk- but yeah, that's it, really. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, that's coming up. Oh. <laughs> Innovation, I guess. It's me. Yeah, of course, it's me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Again, these categories aren't in any specific order. They're just the order Adil wrote down. Um, yeah, so I, like I, I thought it was worth actually specifically putting small games, whether they're puzzles, short, mobile, whatever. This is too broad, mate. This is too broad. I know, but like that's just the way the, the crumble cookies. Um, <laughs> the crumble cookies. Uh, um, so okay. my... My two were uh, Hexel's Infinite as a puzzle game. I just played a fuck ton of it. Like, if you look at my hours on Steam, it's one of my top games. Mm-hmm. And then Super Hexagon came out in 2012. Again, love it. Mm. Love the way it pushes you on what it means to spend, like, focus on a thing. And notice that mm-hmm. focusing... Like, honestly, play a fast version of Super Hexagon, then play an earlier level, and you have a total different idea of what time passing means. And that's just a brilliant thing. Like, turns out, focusing on a thing means that you interpret it differently. And if, for no other reason, you should play that game. Yeah. Because okay. you, yeah. you, you will do better at the early games when you've tried the, the, the earlier levels, when you've tried the harder ones, because everything literally feels slower. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because you're keying in in a different way. And it's the number one example I have of a game affecting the way you interpret a world. It's just that simple, and it's also super interesting, and also I love the game. Yeah, I mean, what you always go back to is Super Hexagon. And so I'll shove this in here. Um, I'll say Thomas Was Alone, which which is my most replayed. You know, like, you know, you replay Super Hexagon the most, I... The, the game well, I, I mean, once you beat the a level, you, you don't decade. need to feel like you beat it again. Yeah, but the one you always come back to, the one I, the, the one game I actually complete over and over again is Thomas Was Alone. So I'll shove that in here, and um, just a shout out to, you know, Shovel Knight, which is still coming out. Like that was a small game, and they're still doing their thing. They're still cranking out those games. Um, Hopefully they'll move on to something different. I just wanted to shout them out. And the Steamworld guys, which you got a shout out in a previous podcast, which is good. So, they're small game developers and they deserve their props, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's a strange one. Like, I don't have any, um, on my, on my games of the decade, I don't have any small games, but there's so many impactful 
yeah. small games. You know, we talked about Florence earlier on a on 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 the previous uh, mm-hmm. podcast, and it, and it's a game we've talked about a lot. Uh, developed by a very small team, something like Monument Valley, mm-hmm. very very competent puzzle game. Yep. Developed by a small team. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that fits this, this category of small games that, uh, that, that, that sort of Adel has, uh, coined almost. Yeah. Um, but overall, small say, teams, like small, different. small experience. Yeah. yeah and, and even then, we talk, you talked about, as an honorable mention, photographs, uh, in our last episode. And, you know, that is a small game. You get sort of, Almost vignettes, yeah. uh, kind of novellas of um, different stories, different small experiences, and then moves on mm. to something else. There's another small experience, and there are absolutely tons of these games yeah, out there, are. which are which can give you a a a small experience, and whether that is a small gameplay experience, whether that's a small narrative experience. Mm. Emotional, there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's exactly. There's so many things. You know, so Adol, um, in your absence, Florence, yep, having talked about it, it fits this this genre, and and it is and literally my kind of third in think, line for this category. Yeah. But I mentioned earlier, so I wouldn't say mm. it. Yeah, I think as a, as a small experience, I, it came something like third or fourth in, in my favorite games last year, and and third uh, or fourth in. Um, fifth in my favorite games this year, and honestly, it was probably because I realized it was a game that we already highlighted the year before, so it was like fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. That, that's the weird thing about indie games. It's like I'm the indie game queen, but it's like every year for like the last twenty years or whatever, it's like my top game's been a triple A, triple A game. It's like, mm. but like this year has probably been my most indie heavy for the last several yeah. years like in terms yeah. of 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 all the way through to 10 but yeah it's a weird one but um yeah small games it's like what is small now but yeah I mean it's, it's this is what I figured was going to be the biggest broad category but uh, in the interest I've of I've said my piece yeah. in the interest of time uh I think one of the biggest things that's happened in video games in the past 10 years has actually been innovation, sort of turning your head on things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say I have sort of three keys on this, one of which we already talked about, one of which we sort of offhand mentioned, and another we haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in regards to narratives – the Stanley Parable is actually different from what we described because the narrative was dynamically generated. Sure. So, yeah. like, mm-hmm. innovatively, it was the whole point was the narrative, but also if you flouted the narrative, the narrator changed with you in a way that no other game mm-hmm. had done before. And I wanted to highlight that because, yes, I agree. Narratively, why, like we talked about mm-hmm. it before, it's super great, but like, it did yeah. a thing that no one else had done. And, like, Bastion sort of aped that in a very straightforward yeah. way. But, like, the storyline of a playthrough of the Stanley Parable is totally different if you make different choices. And that's super interesting. Um, generally, Super Hot slash Super Hot VR, I thought, were my top things. Because, one, it's I think Super Hot VR is one of the best VR games ever. Uh, but mm. it's building on the note. The same thing that Super Hot did, which was 
this idea of if I don't move, time is going to go super slow. So I can strategically like it's like what if how to make sense of vats in the Fallout universe? Like you you, you have to know, <laughs> notice True. things, right? And like True. one yeah. of the best things was they recognized the limitations of the hardware, and it was like super well planned. You're in a spot, you're pivoting, you're just making this decision, and that decision goes as far as quickly or as slowly as you wanted. And with the original game, it was like you can kind of just abuse the FOV, the field of view, mm. and then in the and then as soon as they moved to um, VR, it was like oh that FOV abuse can't happen because the way people work is they look and the movement of your head will move time faster. And that made the game so much harder, but so much more fulfilling. You had to pay attention to your movements in a different way from letting go of the mouse and looking at the screen. Like it was a natural evolution of the gameplay that they had Mm. done with the original game, which I have never seen in like an incremental thing. And I get that this is like across mediums of, um, expression for lack of a better term and just like they did the best um and then my my runner-up was anti-chamber which i don't think either of you have played ben yet i've played i've played a little bit of it um and it's basically the inverse of that which is what if i only had control of just your movement but the map like people are paying attention to where you are in a map and shifting the world around you in certain ways so that you had to puddle, puzzle solve with the idea that the world was not static but dynamic. And I think yeah. mm. Super Hot and Anti Chamber are like two sides of the same coin. One is you have this very strict dynamic map, but there's a lot going on. But we're letting you take control of that dy- dynamicism. And mm. then Anti Chamber is I don't care how long it takes you to take two steps forward, but when you step forward, you might not be in the same place otherwise. Because yeah. I'm going to change the static environment based on your minimal moves. But they're yeah. ultimately the same type of innovation, just two sides of the same coin. And they're basically saying, hey, this first-person genre is stale in the 2010s. How do you make this interesting? Yeah. That's and a, like, yeah. Very beating good Anti-Chamber is yeah. an effort. Like, it's a cheap game. I think everyone should buy it and try it out because you get a notion of, like, Oh, right. How much do you take for granted with respect to maps? Yeah. Um, because going forward means blah. But like sometimes you just need to turn around and notice the world has changed behind you because you've mm. actually gone into a different area. And like that's the entire point of Antichamber is yeah. pushing you to question the tropes of what it means for you to play these first-person games. And then... Yeah. Super hot's the other side of the coin, which is yes, we all recognize those tropes, but like, if you just how do if I give you the chance to think tactically around those tropes, how will you interact? Yeah, nothing changes, just your speed. Yeah, yeah. I like where you finished on that because that's yeah. I've never actually thought about those two games in the same sentence, but yeah, that makes sense. Mm. And I want to absolutely. In fact, Anti Chaven reminds me of. Two other lo-fi-ish games. Expand. That's probably oh, such probably a nobody's. Oh, you've played Expand. Yeah. Both yeah. of you have. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Hey, we're taking that, that but... motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a game where I 
thought the the, the uh, soundtrack just mixed so well with the gameplay. It's like other games have done that, like, I don't know, Sayonara or Wild Hearts this year, but X-Band for me, when was that, 2016 or something? It just it just oh, worked so well for me. And um, I was thinking of another lo-fi game, uh, Dark Echo, because um, Antichamber's yeah. quite sparse. And Dark Echo on, like, Steam and iOS, it's, it's actually a really good horror game. Because I was thinking, oh, Resident Evil and Until Dawn, good horror games. And then I was like... When I said that before, I just put up and I was like, oh, what about Dark Echo? So I want to give that a shout-out. But um, mm. the only other one I really had for innovation, a deal, was Brothers. Um, and, a Tale of and Two Brothers? Re- a Tale of Two Brothers. A Tale of Two Sons. Sorry. Yeah, a Tale well. of Two Sons. Brothers, A Tale mm. of Two Sons, and Return of the Oberdin. Because when we oh. mentioned Papers, Please, I didn't want to mention Return of Overdin because I wanted to put those two in innovation. Mm. So, I mean, my biggest fault mm. of the past year is last year at this time, you guys were like, mm-hmm. this is a great game, and I didn't play it. It's so good. And, well, like, you've got all the time in the world now. Oh, yeah. It's probably going to be a 2020 game for <laughs> and me. And it's on everything yeah. as well. But, now, like, so. like you, both, you both literally said to me, this is your jam, Adil. Like... <laughs> You will like this game. You will love this game. We're mm-hmm. recommending it, and I still didn't do it. Um, yeah. That's why it's not on my super list. But like, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah I, I wanted to bring it up. Um, ben, did you have what was your ten to one? I really want to know. Ooh, cause, oh, shit. oh yeah, yeah, just yeah, rattle you got, them you got to wake sure. up now. <laughs> yeah, just rattle them off. So I run these down. Yeah. Um, so uh, number ten was news games. So things like Firewatch, mm-hmm. Stanley Parable, mm-hmm. Gone Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine was Battlefield One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is the only first-person shooter on my list, and again, very much because I enjoy playing with my friends. Uh, Black Ops could have very easily have been Black in Ops. this space as we'd as we'd uh, as we'd think. I mean, yes, yes, and I, I do enjoy <laughs> first-person shooter. That's true. <laughs> Could have been ripping it to the fucking demons. Uh, I do enjoy first-person shooters, but actually, the element of playing with other people and that strategy holds me a little bit more than it does just through a first-person um, single-player experience. So, then running down through my list, and this is this is a ranked list. So I am going through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Games yeah, because you mentioned so, them like piped up now and then. I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run, so I'm gonna run through." Yeah. Right. So number eight, God of War. Number seven, mm. Journey. Mm. Number six, The Walking Dead season one. Number five, Civilization five. Number four, Red Dead Redemption two. Number three, The Witness. Number two. The Witcher 3. Okay, get, oh, and I number one. I was super surprised Ooh. no one mentioned The Witcher 3 up until this point. I was no, like, I knew Ben mm. would. I knew Ben would, so. Basically, that's, I think what the why. problem was, I haven't that's played That's why I it, said so, best yeah. RPG. There's no, there's no <laughs> genre that that game fits into. RPG? No, there's not, though. It's an adventure game. What? The Witcher? Yeah. You're on it's not an RPG. You're you haven't got to worry about your character fucking build, really? It's an RPG, Ben. That's oh, why that I haven't played game. it. 
<laughs> if it was an action adventure game, we would have got to it by yeah. now. Um, Carry okay, on. And so the number the one drum roll. Number one has been announced The Last of Us. Oh, yeah. A game I still haven't played. Game. The only game that's won. made me actually oh, fucking cry. No, it, it would have been the one that I said, you know, best... Best... Whoa, best. okay. No, I was going to say, um, you know, with Mafia 3 and Wolf 2 and, you know, best mediocre games with, you know, the best uh, narratives. Uh, that's The Last of Us. Last of Us is trash. What are you on about, Ben? Wow. No, fuck you. No, fuck I'm joking. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm not so, joking, so I'm uh, I know you I'm love that game. It's never, it didn't make me cry, but it... it, it, it you, you know guys. how people say, oh, you know, Star Wars changed my life, even though they're not a Jedi or a Wookiee? And it's like, mm. oh yeah, of course it did, mate. Whatever. Um, the Last of Us is probably my stupid thing where I say, oh yeah, it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it didn't, because I'm not a clicker. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Bill. You haven't got to worry about it. Timing and not offending more people. Um, can I ask what your favorite beers of the night were, even if it crosses episodes? Uh, I'm going to start with... Lucy, because he's waving your arms. I wasn't sure which one of you was ready, and then Lucy was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, cool." It's a whiplash. That brewery keys one, um, really good. Not what I thought it would be um, as a stout. Um, It looked when I poured it, it looked like a, you know, wine. (laughs) When I smelt it, it smelled like some licorice, licorice nonsense, but. Actually tasting it and having it, it was, it had all the good qualities of a stout, um, and I think that Sriracha Ace actually brought some new things to it, it added like a kind of fruity and kind of lightness to it, which was weird because it had pistachio and honey and those are very strong and overpowering and full flavours, but it's still, it still balanced really well, but yeah. The Whiplash, which was in collaboration with Pig Pig's Ears Beer Limited, mm. um, part of the Beer and Art series, which I didn't know existed till today. So check those out. Um, really good. It, it's it's Whiplash in a can. <laughs> you know, nice. you can't get any better than that. Yeah. So. That was my numero one. Um. I think for me it's the Frau Gruber, uh, drunk on the, on the previous episode, uh, hybrid moments, which is double dry hopped, uh, double India pale ale. Uh, I've enjoyed all of the beers I've had tonight, but I think the Frau Gruber was just very, very well balanced. It, it, it gave a really good flavour throughout from the fore right to the end. Um, uh, these stouts are nice. They're very alcoholic. Uh, and you get that through them as well. And if you want an alcoholic kind of stout, then like the Odyssey, um, the Devil's Pudding is, is is a good beer. You're getting a lot of different flavours from that. But actually, for a really well balanced beer, uh, hybrid moments was really nice. Good stuff. We can see that you mellowed out completely after those two stouts. So they were very yep. good. Mm. They were. They were very good. Mm. So for for me, I think it's actually the first beer of the night was the Whiplash Six Billion Ways IPA. 
I think there was just enough going on that even though I was early in the night, the maltiness and the hoppiness being, uh, like, again, there's three malts, three hops, etc. Like, it just, there was enough nuance in the taste that um, by the beginning and the end, I was intrigued and paying attention to it in a way that the others kind of were just playing a role. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, the Becoming North is super interesting, but ultimately um, kind of just being a lower percentage porter. Same thing with the Nocturne. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Cloudwater just... Basically, I think there could have been a dead heat between these two, but the Cloudwater, what's best for us is also what's best for you kind of suffers from the same political message that they're trying to do, mm-hmm. which is that it was a lot of like lower echelon fruits. Just like, look, these are the fruits that are going on. Do you care? Yes, no. But nothing super like yeah. forward about this is the taste that's going on. That's I'm going to say this is the thing. Instead, it was going for some sort of weird balance thing. And ultimately, it's kind of forgettable because of that. Which mm. I will yeah. not read more politically because I don't think we need that but like uh yeah so like I was expecting the cloud water to have a little more forceful taste a little more nuance and it ultimately kind of failed me on that yeah. uh while the whiplash was saying look I've got some things going on interpret it and I did and I liked yeah. it yeah and then the two porters ultimately just were like a handful shy of something super interesting. Uh, yeah, because you, it was a five percent, a six percent, and all, I think it's it's probably mostly me. So if you like like lower ABV porters, you'll be happy with either of these things. Mm-hmm. But like, I like porters and stouts to be kind of sweet because they're high ABV and super viscously forward and just like mm-hmm. that thick, like strong taste. And neither of these could do those because they're just lighter porters um and it's probably a fault of me for picking them but like if you like light porters i think both these are tasty but if you want your porters to be sort of more bog standard more like alcohol slash taste forward you're gonna struggle with them for the same reason i did which is just that like when they're lighter abv you don't get that like in your face taste because you can Mm -hmm. so yeah. That's the beer round. Well, 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 you know, Whiplash, um, it wins beer of the year. So, well, from from these last two episodes, yes, they seem to have. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, uh, Ben, you're the only one representing PlayStation here. Uh, <laughs> both <laughs> greens so, and whites <laughs> around here. So, oh, in dear. the end. Nintendo uh, Switch wins uh, <laughs> platform of the year because definitely Xbox certainly for the past year so because like I think eight of my games of the year were Switch games. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what I will say is, uh, Ben, if people gave a shit about your opinion on beers and games of the past decade, how would they contact you? At Nova underscore forty seven. Wow. Cool. That's uh, it. On? <laughs> on 
on things. On yeah, Twitter, okay. PlayStation, Instagram. Twitter, Instagram, um, some places. Yeah, get, uh, you can search places. my Lucy. name in other places, but other places, yeah. other How would exist. they? <laughs> it's Juicy Loose 9 everywhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you can reach me at the Omniarch on all of the things except Twitch, where I'm the underscore Omniarch, but never stream, so it doesn't fucking matter. If you wanted to reach us as a group slash team, we are tankedupcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram at tankedupcast on Instagram. Other things don't matter. We are not currently on TikTok, but if you tell us we should be, we will lip sync the number one favorite tune of 1997, whatever that is. I will make sure the three of us do it. That is a New Year's promise. It's going to be bad, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I am currently just saying I will make sure we lip sync that. And it's probably going to be me lip syncing that. But I don't care. I've, I've accepted that that's the thing I said because I've been drinking all night, and that's the thing that happens. I will, I will take <laughs> 19, Spice I girls. said 1997. Top yeah, song. Spice Girls. Um, um, I bet if enough time, I could think of what the number one. You remember Top of the Pops, listen. people? I could think of that. Yeah. Uh, we definitely give. We definitely care about uh, the opinions of our colleagues on the internet and about not only our top games of 2019, but also what constitutes a good game of the past decade. So please contact us so we can talk about it in an episode on it's the fine. new year. I listed them all. Or just look on YouTube and look at the screenshot <laughs> that you could have taken of Lucy showing that exact map out. Um, but this has been tanked up for. Another decade. I've been a dill. Ciao. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. See you. I get really sad. It makes it 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 fucking real. No one cares. It's the worst. The worst part is, we started within this decade, so it's not actually been another decade, so I definitely lied to the viewers. We've been tanked up for this decade. I mean, at least you have a PhD and a house i don't what have do a house i, I definitely no, no i meant i meant you a, a deal oh i see no, i have a, I you have some quality yeah, yeah, yeah. and what do i have none of those <laughs> sanity <laughs> pure unadulterated sanity no. <laughs> uh, i nope. love you guys <laughs> i love you too. The, the best thing of the decade is <laughs> meeting you two so i hate i hate video games you two are better yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what got better in the decade? Games, but not gamers. Yeah. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. www.outoflives.net